So today, today is Palm Sunday, and uh, I want to remind you of these worship implements for later if you want to use these for worship afterwards. I think you might need them. All right, I am, uh, for those of you who don't know, I am Aaron. I'm uh, typically the children's and youth pastor here, but today I'm speaking. This is Pastor Tony. He's senior pastor. And he has been awesome, and I'm sorry to sort of interrupt uh, the awesome uh, series he's been doing. On the other hand, it kind of fits in. Even though I didn't hear last week's one yet, I talked to him, and I read the notes, and I'm like, yeah. And so I think it fits, and uh, I'm happy about that. Also, I wasn't planning on reading this, but I I just have to because it's so cool. Um, I read this this morning on this um, Jewish website called Chabad.org. And uh, it is addressing, uh, it's, a, it's like a daily thought addressing this season, which by the way, I think it's really awesome. This season of when we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Jews call this season the festival of freedom. Like, yes. So here's what they say on Chabad.org. What is so terrible about Chometz that once a year for the Festival of Freedom. We must search, burn, and destroy any trace of it in our possession. That's leaven, you know, stuff that makes bread rise. Um, Because yeast makes a little dough into a big loaf of hot air, and that pretty much describes the fundamental gameplay of all that imprisons you. It's like the yeast that takes your healthy need to earn an honest living and blows it up into a desperate need for recognition and yet more recognition. Or like the yeast that mixes in when you are about to do a beautiful mitzvah, which just means a good deed. Um, Out of the sincerity of your heart, saying, yes, do it, people will say you are such a a tzaddik, which means like, like, oh, he's so righteous. Uh, So you have this holy desire to go do a good deed, but you got this yeast making you think, oh, they're going to think I'm especially righteous. Um, Or the yeast that appears... When you are studying the wisdom of Torah and it whispers, soon you will be wiser than anyone else. It's the yeast that ties every thought, every word, every deed you do to your ego, as though your existence is somehow invalidated if you do not occupy more and more space every day with nothing but hot air. You are its prisoner. It is your taskmaster. It has stolen your life from you, rendering you just another subject of an oppressive world you must satisfy and please. On Passover, you are empowered to break your chains of bondage, to do a mitzvah, a good deed, only because it connects you to your God, to learn Torah wisdom only because, only to become one with the divine wisdom, to be yourself, to escape the bondage to anything in this world, to be free. Um, and so why, why do the Jews even now think that in this season of the Festival of Freedom, that this is the season where you can have freedom and be set free and become one with the knowledge and the wisdom of God. It's because uh, they know that this is the season where the lamb is slain and the blood uh, makes a way for forgiveness because sin separates from God and they are able Uh, to be united with God because the sin's not in the way. Um, However, nobody's slaying any lambs right now, but we know, we know that the Lamb of God, Jesus was slain, and he has given us 
um, the ability to become one with, to unite with God and the wisdom of God. And so we truly can celebrate this festival of freedom. And I just think it's so exciting. And so I was encouraged by this thing that I read this morning. Amen. So yeah, all right. Today, today is Palm Sunday. Do we have slides? We can do slides. It's not working for some reason. It's not working for some reason. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Um, anyway, uh, the message today is called the Hosanna Paradox. Um, and we can read about, uh, we're going to read about the word Hosanna, and we can read about the Palm Sunday in places like John 12, 12 through 13. And I'll, let me read you a snippet of that. It says, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. So, so that's one of the accounts. Today we're actually going to be spending most of our time in Matthew 21, 1 through 5, that telling of it. Um, and I'm going to read the first uh, five verses, and then we'll go and read the rest of it after that. So as they approached Jerusalem... And came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Um, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king is coming, gentle and riding on a donkey uh, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Also, I want to point out, we're only 12 hours off from being on the literal day this happened. Um, today on the Hebrew calendar is Nisan uh, 9, and at twilight it becomes Nisan 10, and Nisan 10 is the day that all this happened. So we're, we're only 12 hours off, so we're really close. But anyway, we're right here. We're like connected to the very season where this stuff was happening, to the actual Palm Sunday day where they went out with palm fronds and they were shouting, Hosanna, as Jesus came into Jerusalem. So Jesus tells his two disciples, and in both accounts of this, uh, it doesn't say which two disciples they are. I think it's, it's actually cool, as we're going to see. Uh, so these two unnamed disciples... Um, they go out, and Jesus sends them ahead of him to places that he plans to visit. Um, and this is something that Jesus often does. He sends his disciples ahead of him to places that he plans to visit. Think about that. Selah. Thank you. So in Matthew 10, for example, he sends out the 12 disciples saying, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. So this is his instructions to the 12 disciples, because he's planning on visiting these places. He says, go out and do this stuff, make ready for me to come into the situation. Then we see again, um, after this, in Luke 10, oh, this is Luke 10, um, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every place where he was about to go. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come 
near to you. And then Malachi 3.1 prophesies of John the Baptist, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So this is just God's MO. This is Jesus' MO. He always, to this day, sends his people out ahead of him to make way for his coming. And here he's doing it again in this particular situation, like 2,000-something-odd years ago, 12 hours to the day. Um, He says, you two, go out ahead of me and uh, make way for my arrival. And he's actually literally doing... He's coming to the temple, which is what that prophecy about John the Baptist is. In in a way, they're sort of almost fulfilling that partially themselves because they're making a way for Jesus to come down to Jerusalem to the temple. It's really exciting. So anyway, but their deed that they're told to do is not as extravagant looking as the other deeds that we just read about, healing the sick and raising the dead and all that stuff. Their deed this time is to go get a couple donkeys. Um, However, you know what this deed does? It makes way for the biggest celebration done by mankind of Jesus the earth had yet experienced. This humble act of going to go get these donkeys, going ahead of Jesus. Now, there was a larger celebration, but it was angels. There was millions of angels at Jesus' birth and a few shepherds. This is about to be the biggest celebration of Jesus by mankind the earth had ever known up to that point. And so this is what their simple obedience did. And I don't know, like, if they were complaining about it. It's really fun if you watch The Chosen to, to think of the disciples as actual people rather than, I don't know, like, I don't know how we think of them. I didn't, I didn't necessarily think of them as individuals when I read the scripture until this show like, made me think, oh yeah, people, humans, real people with real personalities. So maybe these guys were complaining, like, all right, uh, why do we have to go get the donkeys? Like, like it's awkward. I mean, the, Jesus said, go untie these donkeys. They're not even asking permission. And when the guy comes over, because he says the guy's going to come over, and say, what are you doing? You know, how, you know how uncomfortable and awkward that would be? Uh, but he says, oh, tell them the master needs them. And, and the guy will be like, okay, cool, you got it. So um, anyway, they might have been complaining. I don't know. And I don't know how well these particular disciples knew the prophecies. Or even maybe they did, but maybe they didn't put it together about what was about to happen. Now, we're about to see that hundreds of other people were familiar with the prophecies And it's pretty cool, so we're going to look at it. So let's look at what their obedience accomplished, these two disciples. Matthew 21, 6 through 11. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them And those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. 
Now, I underlined this part of the this next part of the verse. It says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Guys, when Jesus enters the city, the city will be stirred, and people are going to ask, who's this? Selah. So these two unnamed disciples fulfilled a great prophecy and made way for the biggest and most celebratory welcome of Jesus by mankind the world has yet seen. What humble act is the Lord asking you to do? Could that humble act possibly make ready a happy welcome of Jesus? Regardless of what you think or believe, you have a very significant calling in your life to go to the places that Jesus will visit and make that place ready for him. It doesn't matter what your past is like. It doesn't matter what your present is like. God has given you this high calling, this higher calling to go out and make ready a happy welcome for Jesus. So in this part of history, why is Jesus coming to Jerusalem? Why is he coming at this time? Well, it's Passover season. And that's why he's going, because they make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover every year, and it's that season. It's five days away, just like it is for us. We're going to be celebrating Passover here on Friday. Um, and we'll only be 12 hours off. Um, Jews from all over make a pilgrimage, as I said, to Jerusalem each year. Little did they know that this was going to be the most important Passover in history, the Passover that gives meaning to Passover. And we'll learn about that more on Friday if you want to log in and see the live stream. But during this season, families would often sing and recite what is called the Hallel, which is Psalms 113 through 118. In fact, in the first century AD, the priests would chant the Hallel during the sacrifice of the Passover lambs in the temple. So let me read you a portion of the Hallel. Remember, this is Psalms. This is written by King David, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Sound familiar? This is what they were singing to Jesus as he was coming down on the donkey. This is what the priests sang as they slaughtered the lamb in the temple, which, would, which they would do in five days. So they saw him coming down they recognized him as the guy from the Psalms, as the fulfillment of prophecy, and they sang the Hallel to Jesus. Um, so let's look at the word Hosanna. And I just saw a bunch of girls in our midst here. They were doing a dance at the park the other day, and one of, them, one of the groups did a Hoshiana, which is just Hebrew for Hosanna, I think. And uh, it was really awesome. But regardless, let's look at Hosanna. What does it mean? And this is the very crux of the point I want to make today. Hosanna, literally, it means save us. It's a plead. Save us, please. Save us. Um, so that's, that's the literal translation. But because of the connotation of hope from the passage of the Hallel that it comes from, by the time of Jesus, it took on a different meaning in addition to 
to that meaning. Um, it became uh, used as a praise or a celebration of one who saves. So it meant both save us and you save. Amen. So when he's coming, they're praising God. So it kind of means praise God and it means save us. Both, oh God, we need you. Oh God, we, you're here. You're doing it. You save there is freedom now. There is victory. You save. You are here. You are the one. So it's really cool that the word save us, because of that psalm and because of all the hope around that psalm, came to mean praise God also. Came to mean you save. And they were singing that, Hosanna. And they were singing it to Jesus. Talk about, so Hosanna. Talk about praying with expectation. Right? Hosanna. Like, we need you, and we have you. We need your salvation. You're providing your salvation. Tony talked last week about petition with expectation. That's what Hosanna is. Hosanna. Hosanna in your life. What do you need salvation from? Say, Hosanna. I always sound Japanese when I do that. I don't mean any offense. It's just I talk weird sometimes. All right. So how appropriate that Yeshua, Jesus' Hebrew name, literally means salvation. So they're saying, Hosanna, save. Hosanna, you save. Hosanna to Yeshua, save us, Mr. Salvation. Save us, salvation. Salvation is here. So let's look at a broader portion of the hello. Let's look at Psalms 118, 19 through 29. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. Who is the gate? Jesus. Yes, we know this. Um, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now, I take it they didn't get this part yet. And there's a lot of stuff in Scripture that I read that I don't totally get. And I just am happy that I get some of it. And I praise God. I love what I understand. But sometimes there's stuff, and it doesn't quite make sense yet. And this probably is one of those things for them. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Moving on. What does that mean? Okay, okay but God's going to bring salvation. We get that part. So then it goes on to say, this is the Lord's doing it is marvelous in our eyes. You know what's marvelous in the eyes of us now that we understand? That very thing that they probably didn't get, that the stone that the builders had rejected has become the cornerstone. That is what's marvelous. And they'll get it. They'll get it. Uh, some of them will get it here in a, a few weeks. Um, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Here we go. Save us, we pray. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. And what's really interesting is the translators of our Bibles, of most English Bibles, when you read it in the Old Testament, when you read this in Psalms, it translates it to save us. When you read the same quote in the New Testament, it translates it to Hosanna. And I think it's because the translators know the word came to mean additional things by the time of Jesus. So here, save us, O Lord, O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. 
bind the festival sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. This is the song they're singing a portion of as Jesus is coming down the mountain on Palm Sunday. And though there were some very important parts that they did not yet understand, they recognized certain parts and they recognized Jesus as the fulfillment of those parts. They actually got it. Um, a lot of times, uh, we think that all the Jews totally missed everything. But at this point in time, they were like, wait a minute. This is the fulfillment of Scripture, and it's happening right now. Hosanna! Um, and in just a minute, it's going to lead us to last week's message, and we're going to see how we respond. So anyway... Uh, They recognized that he was the one sent by God to bring salvation. It is to him they cried, Hosanna. They also recognized that he was the fulfillment of Zechariah 9, which was also quoted in the beginning of Matthew 21. So remember, it said, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the full of a beast of burden. That comes from Zechariah. So let's read the Zechariah passage, starting uh, Zechariah 9, verse 9 through 12, rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous, and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit, Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare I will restore to you double. So, this Palm Sunday, well, back then, where they're all rejoicing and, and many of them are waving palm fronds and many of them are putting them down for him to walk on along with their cloaks and stuff. And they're shouting, Hosanna! They're recognizing Jesus as the guy this is talking about but they had a different expectation, a slightly different expectation. Here's kind of what they thought was going on. Um, the expectation of the people on Palm Sunday was that the true king of Israel was coming to the temple where he, Jesus, would then raise an army and cast off the oppressive rule of Rome and bring such great military victories with the power of God that there would be lasting peace in the land, so much so that they would no longer need chariots, war horses, or bows. Furthermore, he would rule the whole earth from Jerusalem. That's what they were expecting. And they're like mostly right, like 75% right. They're like 80% wrong in the timing. Um, uh, but it seems, and we talk about this a lot here at church, it seems that perhaps... They let their current experiences influence their theology. And I wonder, I wonder if I ever do that. <laughs> so, as I said, they had a lot of it right, but not the timing. Timing was, was wrong. So, what, they, what did they not yet understand? They did not understand that there would be two Palm Sundays. Or Palm Days. Well, I don't know if it's a Sunday or not. We'll find out when we get there. Um, this 
This Palm Sunday that they were experiencing on Nissan 10, April 10 and a half, um, this Palm Sunday must happen in order that the next one can happen. This they did not understand yet. Just like how this Passover meal coming up on Friday must happen the way it will happen so they can celebrate the Passover meal with Jesus at the wedding feast of the Lamb when he comes to make all things right. So what is about to happen at this Passover in in, uh, five days for them? Jesus will be slain as the Passover lamb. Um, Or we could word it this way, the stone the builders rejected will be made the cornerstone. Um, So what is this second Palm Sunday I speak of? Um, Revelation 7, 9 through 17 gives detail. As I said, it's not necessarily a Sunday, but you'll get the point. Oh, snap. I didn't uh, print it out on my notes. uh, Is it up here, I wonder? If not, I'll just bring it up on my Bible because I've got one of them. Hey, cool. Uh, Yeah, there it is. All right, let me just read it from here. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Let me do the next slide. Then one of the elders asked me, "Uh, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know, just so you know, this is a a vision of the future uh, that John the Apostle is having um, about a very real event that's going to happen on a second celebration of Jesus with palm fronds. Um, so one of the elders there in the vision asked me, John, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? Um, I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is a real event. And the events of this Palm Sunday that happened when Jesus was coming down, the first Palm Sunday, needed to happen so that we can get to this second Palm Sunday. So what do we see here in the second Palm Sunday? We see unity. We see unity between races, between cultures, between languages. We see multitudes standing before Jesus in worship. We see multitudes who have been cleansed. No more shame, no more guilt, no more holding on to the past, no more addiction, no more sin. How are they cleansed? By the blood of the Lamb Jesus. 
Not only were they cleansed, but they were delivered, delivered from great tribulation. And there's no more hunger, no sorrow. Best of all, we see a multitude who will drink from the springs of living water, meaning that they delight in the incomparable pleasures of God. So, what was so significant about that Palm Sunday that would make the second one possible? I guess we'll never know. Mm. Mm. Here we go. Nissan 10, uh, which happens, as I said, in hours from now, is Lamb Selection Day. Lamb Selection Day. And it is still called that. Uh, it had a lot more significance back then because they were still killing lambs. Um, so what happens on this, well, let's just, God set it up. God set up Lamb Selection Day, and we can read about it here in Exodus 12, 3, and also 5 through 6. It says this, uh, God says this in the Bible, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly and the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. So this is the day of selecting the pure, spotless lamb. You will notice, if you read the scriptures, that Jesus is most of the time avoiding fanfare. They try to make him king, and he sneaks off. He is not down with fanfare until right now. You know why? Because it's lamb selection day. The time had come for the lamb to be slain for the sins of the world. So we entered Jerusalem on lamb selection day to much fanfare, which infuriated the religious leaders and caused a big enough stir to get the attention of the Roman government. The lamb was chosen for the slaughter. He was chosen by the Jews. He was chosen by the Romans. But most importantly, he was chosen by God the Father. This is the lamb that will take away the sins of the earth. When the crowds who worshipped him on that first Palm Sunday, a few days later, realized that he wasn't going to deliver them from Rome yet, when he became the stone the builders rejected, when they realized there would still be trouble in their lives, they abandoned and rejected Jesus. And that leads us to the Hosanna paradox. Save us! You save. So they were right to cry out Hosanna when he was coming down. But they were wrong to believe that when their expectations died, remember this from last week? When their expectations died, they were wrong to believe that God would not save still. In fact, the salvation would come through that dying through that dying, he died. So, so we're getting to a place. Um, actually, here, let me just read this here. We find ourselves between the crucifixion and the restoration of all things made possible because of the crucifixion. We find ourselves between 
the first and second Palm Sunday, we find ourselves between the Passover sacrifice and the wedding feast of the Lamb. So what should our reality look like at this time? Um, so I'll give you some hints. Jesus said some very paradoxical things. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Another time he said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. But then he said to pray, thy kingdom come. And then in Luke 19, he says this interesting thing. Uh, the crowd was listening. So this, Luke 19, verse 11, takes place right before he comes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Um, maybe a day or so before, I can't remember. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. Now, what's going on? Is the kingdom here or is it not? It seems like he's saying both. Um, so the story he tells is basically about this Lord that is going to go off to another place to be crowned king, but before he goes, he gives his servants some money to go invest on his behalf, and then when he comes back as king, he wants to see what they did with what they were given. Um, it's very obvious what he's talking about here. He is the king. Jesus is the king who will be gone for a while for them. He, he leaves. And here we find ourselves in that place where he has not yet returned, but he's, giving a, he's given us stuff to invest. Um, the kingdom of God. So, the answer that he, in the story that he tells is the answer of what our current reality should look like. Hosanna, save us and praise God you have saved. The king, here we go. This is in your notes. You can fill in the blanks. The kingdom of God is anywhere the glory and authority of God is made manifest. The kingdom of God is anywhere the glory and authority of God is made manifest. So yes, the kingdom of God is here. It's in our midst. It came when Jesus came and everybody who decided to partake of this blood, who decided to receive him as Savior, suddenly the kingdom of God is available to be made manifest through them, but there still is a time coming when the kingdom of God will be fully manifest. The glory of God and the authority of God will be fully manifest on the earth. We're not there yet. We can still say, Hosanna, because God saves and because he will save and because he's continuing to save. Because of the cross and because we chose Jesus on our own personal lamb selection day, we have been given the glory and authority of God to manifest on behalf of Jesus until he returns as king of the earth. So what does it look like when God's glory and authority are made manifest? Let's think about that future day, that Palm Sunday described in Revelation, when it is fully manifest. And now imagine that we can take those elements that we saw and we can, through the glory and authority of God, we can begin to have those realities we saw in the second Palm Sunday manifested here in our midst. All right? And remember what we saw? We saw unity. We saw freedom. We saw deliverance. We saw delight. We saw worshiping Jesus together. We saw delighting in the incomparable pleasures of Jesus. It also looks kind of like what we see the disciples doing as they're sent out to places that Jesus uh, will be visiting. Healing, deliverance, declaring the good news of Jesus' coming, 
or sometimes just simple acts of obedience. The reality of heaven is what he has given us to invest, and we invest in people, the realities of heaven. This is what we're investing on the king's behalf. But until the, king's, until the king comes, we must endure various trials and tribulations while we go about manifesting the kingdom. It happens. Just, they, like I said, they didn't get at that point. They're like, oh no, I thought this guy was going to bring freedom and victory and deliver us from Rome. Um, but, you know, sometimes we have expectations crushed and sometimes we, we go through hard things, but um, we go through stuff but we're always continuing to manifest the kingdom of God if we, if we choose to. And I say choose, choose it. Those at the second Palm Sunday endured the great tribulation. But ever since mankind first ate from the wrong tree, we have been experiencing various other tribulations and will continue to until the end. Um, some people worse than others. But let's go back to that Zechariah prophecy about Messiah coming on a donkey Zechariah 9, 11 through 12. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare I will restore to you double. This is Hosanna. Save us, you save. Praise God, you save. Save us. Return to your stronghold, prisoners of hope. You can return to your tribulations. You can return to any man-made stronghold or prison, any sort of thing. You can return knowing that the only thing you're truly a prisoner to is hope. So you can live out the reality of hope regardless of your situation. So instead of shying away from the horrible things in our lives and the tough things and the stressful things, we could just walk into them. Here we go. Stress, bad stuff, cars breaking down, can't pay the bills. I'm chained up in prison with Silas. Praise God, Hosanna, yay! When we realize there will still be trouble in our lives, we cry out, Hosanna, save us, you save! Praise God, you save! The glory and authority of the kingdom of God is manifest in and through us as we wait for total redemption. The kingdom of God is here with you, and the kingdom of God is coming. Um, Lori showed me this cool verse. I want to read it to you. She just showed it to me this morning. Um, from the uh, Passion Translation, 2 Peter uh, 1, and my Bible thing is freaking out. Bible. Here it is. <clears throat> So Palm Sunday is also known as the triumphal entry. Jesus triumphantly comes down into Jerusalem. But listen to what this verse says in 2 Peter 1, verse 10. For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own If you do these things, you will never stumble. As a result, the kingdom's gates will be opened wide to you as God choreographs your triumphant entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. 
So here's the deal. It's lamb selection day. So if you have not chosen Jesus as the lamb, man, this is, this is your day. It's lamb selection day. If you still need to choose him to, um, like, rule other areas of your life, choose him for that. Um, as I mentioned, the kingdom of God is anywhere the glory and authority of God is made manifest. And I know that in my life, I am not manifesting the glory and authority of God the way that I can. And I don't want to miss out on this. I want to do that because that is awesome. That is awesome when people are set free, when people are delivered, and when I'm walking in deliverance and freedom and salvation and unity and peace and love and all this stuff that is available. So this is our time to respond on Lamb Selection Day. Let us, let us do that. So, so I'm actually, um, if, if the band could come up right now, I'm going to uh, do two things. Um, I want to I wanna give you an opportunity if you haven't given your life to Jesus and you want to be a part of all this that we're talking about. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. And uh, the ministry team, you know, I want them to pray for you. I want you to raise your hand because the Bible says to declare, like make it known that you're making this decision. Um, confess, that's the word. And so uh, I want you to raise your hand when I give you the invitation. And then if you would, if you could come up to the front and our ministry team, they're going to pray for you and we're going to rejoice with you. And perhaps God will give the ministry team some specific words to speak into your life from the Lord himself. We'll see. Um, I also, so let's do that on this side. Um, and uh, I guess if anybody else just wants prayer, you can come to this side for just more of Jesus. And here's some palm fronds to Use us praise implementations. So, um, so let's do the let's do the uh, the invitation first. If you do not yet know Jesus and you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and start to walk in the manifestation of glory and freedom and love and power and authority and all that to set you free from all that stuff, um, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Okay, it's not over. You can be shy. You can come up here. We'll have a team up here. And now I just open it up to, to worship the Lord or receive prayer for anything else uh, over here. And let me pray. God, we thank you for your salvation. You are salvation. And we thank you that you have given us 